0: Hello. 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 Hi, I'm p- Derek Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we do gonna rely- be one of those shows. Nope. Nope. It's all about magic, this
1: this particular show. It's about the magic of veganism, kids. Just one little change of diet will change your entire life. And you will join us here at the Cult of <laughs> Vegan Radio <laughs> like,
2: cult of veganism.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you drank the vegan Kool Aid with it was made with organic acid. sugar <laughs>
2: and it
1: had no crushed bugs in it oh yeah right I forgot about that stuff hey I went to Wikipedia yesterday and the uh, the uh, suggested story they had on their page was about cochineal the uh, crushed up little beetles that they used to make Food coloring for things like schnapple you know, and, Jones and tofu. processed foods that people eat. Yeah, oh, it's so also
2: in cosmetics as well, lipstick and
0: cosmetics. Yeah, well, it's you know hard to get in nature colors like that, so you take it from any source you can get. Well,
1: I guess what uh, the article on uh, Wikipedia said that you know the uh, all the a lot of the chemical dyes they come up with cause allergic reactions, whereas the Crushed up little bugs. Cocaneal. Cocineal. Uh-huh. Uh, are less likely to. Oh. Only one in ten thousand people are allergic to coccaneil. Mm. Wow. But apparently they live on cactuses. And they're uh cacti. Cacti. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cackle. So they can ah, collect ah, ah, that ah. rare
0: blue color too at the same time. I guess the way they
1: um kill them and uh dry them out determines the shade of red oh. and it takes uh, thousands and thousands of these little bugs to make a kilogram of um the powder or whatever it is
0: so are they being compensated these insects for their use and <laughs> well, i i, I our kind industry? of doubt
1: that the people picking the insects are getting compensated very well but
0: uh, yeah well maybe they just use big traps
1: um, well, they have two kinds. They have traps, and then some of them are hand-picked. <laughs> but neither way wow. But neither way is very efficient. <laughs> wow. That is cool. Where'd you come Everything up with you story? wanted to know about eel? I
2: know. I'm like, mm, where's this going? Where's this cockineel story going, Derek Blank Goodwin?
1: I'm the cock of the walk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so today, hard, uh, shall we? today, today we're going to uh, revisit an interview I did with Karen Davis back in the early uh, 2009s, sometime at the beginning of summer maybe. Uh-huh. And uh, that's going to be fun.
2: Karen Davis, she always, she always has a mouthful for us, doesn't she?
1: She's got a lot to say about she, poultry. She
2: has a lot to say. It's hard to, hard to get anything and in poultry sometimes.
1: Poultry are often overlooked, but they are one of the, uh, you know, people don't give as much credence to poultry, but they are definitely the animal that is one of the most abused and also one of the you know i think thousands and thousands times billions of chickens are killed every year you know
0: yeah well you know we had that story of, you know on the uh, google news about uh, all the uh, chickens or the chicks that were are ground up mm. apparently oh yeah the, they had some kind of video that had been posted yeah well the male spirally. chicks
1: the male chicks uh, at the hatchery are <clears throat> not useful for the laying hens. Right.
2: Since they don't lay eggs.
1: <clears throat> they don't lay eggs, so they get discarded because they're not good to grow for meat either. Hmm. So they get so killed at birth either by ground up,
2: being alive ground up or suffocated. suffocated.
0: Wow, you guys know. Oh, we know. Yeah. Oh,
2: we know we've known for many years, and that,
0: my friend, and and, and
1: the, because it's from a hatchery, it's not. This is not just a factory farm practice. This applies to birds that are used locally in small local farms. It, um, it applies to birds that are used in free range
0: operations. Well, you know they have this exhibit, exhibit <laughs> <laughs> at the Boston Museum of Science. I think it is where they have like you know eggs and chicks are being born. And the kids love, you know love it. But I wonder what happens to those chicks.
2: Oh, mm. well, nothing good comes of it. <laughs> no. Of yeah. any of it.
1: Yeah, a lot of... Uh, Jenny Brown at Woodstock Sanctuary had, uh, when I was visiting earlier in the... I think it was the spring, um, there was a school hatching project in New York City. <clears throat> and the teacher um, called Jenny to try to place the... The chickens or the baby chicks after the you know they'd been hatched and uh, after they'd served their purpose for the school kids and uh, by the time that woman got off the phone, Jenny Brown had her crying and swearing she would never have another hatchery project at her <laughs> class again.
0: Yeah, Jenny yeah. Brown can do that. Yeah, I think she's had me crying a couple times, <laughs>
2: <laughs> especially that time she put you in a headlock.
0: Um, yes, yes, but that was that was all in play. At least I thought so at the beginning, uh, but uh, yeah. So and I guess actually they can also mail them, and there's like some amount, you know, some number of yeah, them die in, a lot in of shipment them. in the mail. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's legal to you know, birds, poultry is not protected by the Humane Slaughter Act or a lot of other uh, regulations that apply to other animals. So they get you can ship them in the mail. Wow. And there's always, you know, with all all farm animal agriculture, there's acceptable losses in transportation, whether it's from the hatchery through the mail to uh, some school or f- some uh, local farm, or well, whether it's
0: doesn't it seem weird? I mean, doesn't with the potential of bird avian bird flu like starting to be something serious? You know, do they really want? Well, you know, with the avian in the bird mail? flu,
1: what the you know the what the propaganda from the government is is that you know, which is driven by corporations, is that uh, the the flu is spread by small farms, and that the right. factory farms are the safe place <laughs> because they don't allow birds from outside to come in. And right. Stuff like <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe they figure out a way to keep them from inhaling, or something.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Well, they they're they're working on the uh, vat grown meat, so. Right. Once they get that.
0: Yeah. Then there'll be a whole new set of viruses (laughs) that just live on that grown meat. (laughs) It's a a wonderful world of of (laughs) biodiversity (laughs) in our guts and all around us. So it's just a balance, right? A balance of what? I don't know, just like you know, dumbfounded, taking care of things, not not letting things get out of balance hand. Balance
2: of crazy people in our society.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, well, there is <laughs> there is that you know of Balancing which we are idiots th- three. I think yes. Well, there is that too. Treats <laughs> nuts in place. No, uh, right.
2: <laughs> okay, so we're we gonna hear that interview or what?
1: There's an interview. No, that's later.
0: Oh, I see. Oh, Scott's got news. That's oh, Scott right. has news? That's right. It's time for the news. Okay. And this insert theme here. Uh, yeah, actually... I forgot um, my kazoo. Did you know... Do you know You know what sleep is for?
2: <laughs> Regeneration, I sleep think. Sleep is
0: for vegans. Yeah, well, it's it does more than that. Apparently, uh, sleep is when you understand things. It's when your brain puts together all the stuff that's happened throughout the day mm. and tries to sort of organize it in a way that's meaningful to your... I don't know your existence your goals and you wake up feeling you know the are weight you, of that
2: are you getting esoteric on me
0: no <laughs> but I'm just trying to t- I'm just trying to get you the, you know into the right mood to know I think this is scientific that's right did you know okay. actually you, you might not need as much sleep as you think because actually there are some people who have a mutation in their genes they only need six hours of sleep mm. so if you're one of those people who's like always up type a you know, is it like stuff.
1: evolution is upgrading the and yet you look human, beautiful every computer day. Computer brain.
0: <laughs> uh, it well, I don't know. There may be some changes going on with that, the way we think and stuff. But this is really low level, and it's like totally, you know.
1: Yeah, but when you when you mess with the operating system, you got to start at the low level and work outward.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes you start at a high level, and, and then work inward, and then you uh, optimize, and then eventually it all becomes hardware. But this is a this is one of those cases where apparently, you know that's when you start to understand things. So, if you sacrifice sleep, you're sacrificing wisdom. Hmm. Just remember that. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so just you know want to get that out there. Vegans don't necessarily need less sleep than anybody else. You were I was like, where are you less going protein. with this one? Yeah, apparently meditation can supplant some sleep true other stuff you know those it's yogis just says. meditate they just <clears throat>
2: meditate at night instead of sleeping
0: yeah there are certain meditations that are rejuvenating and that activate the same kinds of you might think you don't processes. have time
1: for meditation yeah but once you start meditate you don't have to sleep no
0: more yep it's true <laughs> <laughs>
2: Woo! i'd like to place that accent but or i don't think i could that's <laughs> my
0: it's, uh, it's supposed to be going i <laughs> I thought he started sounded like Kermit the Frog. Stop I guess I'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: something else thrown in there.
0: <laughs> you don't... You <laughs> <laughs> this week in diabetes. Oh, what's check up? Check it out. Wheat consumption may contribute to type 1 diabetes. Wheat? That's right. Wheat. Apparently, people who uh, eat a lot of wheat, uh, some people have a sensitivity to it. and uh, That's this, true. This shows up uh, in type 1 diabetes and... Uh, Here's what happened. Check it out. Uh, The study of 42 people with type 1 diabetes found that nearly half had immune system T cells that overreacted to wheat. So it's an immune thing. Mm. It's kind of like Crohn's disease or something like that. Now, the immune system has to find the perfect balance to defend the body against foreign invaders, like like wheat, without hurting itself or overreacting to the environment. And this can be particularly challenging in the gut, where there's an abundance of food and bacteria and other things which we call food. Uh, study author Dr. Fraser Scott, a senior scientist at Ottawa Hospital Research Institute and professor of medicine at the University of Ottawa, said in a hospital news release, I hate attribution. <laughs> it really hurts. Uh, their research suggests that people with certain genes may be more likely to develop an overreaction to wheat and possibly other foods in the gut, and this may tip the balance with the immune system and make the body more likely to develop other immune problems, such as... Yes, Da-da-da. type one diabetes. Type one diabetes. So it's not just something you might be born with. You can actually mess yourself up with type one in your lifetime.
2: And I just want to add in, and it probably doesn't touch on that in the article, but I think, um, you know, we were always eating a lot of, um, you know, refined wheat, and I right, sure. I tend to believe that if you're, I mean, everything in moderation, but if people were eating a lot more. Um, like whole wheat, right? Which, complex carbohydrates. It wouldn't be the same.
0: Which means problem. that the or wheat or more
1: a variety of grains.
2: A variety of grains too. But The wheat
0: plus the oils plus all the enzymes plus the whole proteins. Right. And all the fiber. Sprout, well,
1: the but yeah, eating wheatgrass is good.
0: Yeah, actually, my. Uh, I
1: bet if those forty-two people all had a shot of wheatgrass every morning. They would be zooming.
0: Well, my landlord is sprouting wheatgrass, and it's my job to water it over the weekend. (laughs) So don't let me forget. Um, And I'm going to get, you know, free wheat juice shots out of it, and I'm going to be (laughs) flying. Also this week in diabetes, Mediterranean diet reduces the need for type 2 diabetes drugs. And you know the Mediterranean diet includes things like fish. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, general idea there is to get your omegas, get your oils, um, get your healthy stuff, from uh, mostly from vegetables. And then, you know, if you need to uh, supplant, do it in moderation.
1: What's uh, tabbouleh? Is that made out of wheat? Yeah.
0: Yeah, bulgur wheat. Bulgur
2: wheat, but you can usually. also uh, substitute quinoa with a very good effect.
1: Oh, yeah. Do they do that in the Mediterranean, or is that just a...
0: I don't know, you know, they don't, they, I don't think the Mediterranean includes a lot of rice, but maybe, you know, some kind of pilaf thing. Quinoa. <laughs> Quinoa. I always mix it up with like the Nouvelle California diet. but
2: Quinoa, get it right. Um,
0: but, uh, yeah, apparently, you know, it's, it's called, oh, here it is. It's rich in nuts, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and healthy oils. So it's really, uh, its emphasis is really on these oils, which is kind of good. In a way, a lot of energy Flax in those oils. Important as well, um, and it it lowers blood sugar and um, and apparently forty four percent of the people who uh, went on this like diet study uh, required the blood sugar lowering medicines known as anti hyperglycemic drugs. There we go. Compared to seventy percent who followed a standard low fat diet recommended by cardiologists, nice. so Mediterranean style diet turns out to be a pretty good thing. It's very low carbohydrate is it it is, which means you know where's your energy going to come from fat probably from these fats and oils, which is kind of cool, so they just get distributed around the body through your pipes
2: it's interesting I didn't know that met the Mediterranean diet was low carbohydrate,
0: yeah <laughs> now you know
2: and now we know
1: that's so right well chickpea chickpea flour is what they make the uh falafels with
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they have the chickpeas and hummus
0: oh yeah those are great
1: those are uh fatty proteiny things i guess chickpeas
0: yeah are you
2: adding wise to everything Derek. <laughs> i
0: was just raving yesterday about chickpeas i must have more because uh, they are they're good they're really good, packed with lots of good stuff so hummus every day <laughs> uh see hard times in california what's next, going on that's the next topic we have two stories ammonia leak at a California meat plant and meat plant cited for cow handling problems. So as uh, as the state is is running out of money, uh, you know, things are becoming lax, perhaps regulation. But some of these things are apparent, well, these stories wouldn't be here if they weren't doing any regulation. So things are getting caught. Uh, of course, an ammonia leak, hard to hide. Uh, <laughs> officials say at least two dozen people have been injured by an ammonia leak at a meat processing plant in South San Francisco. Fire officials say the leak was reported early Friday. So it's last week. Sixteen people were treated at the scene and eight others were taken to hospitals for observation after being exposed to anhydrous ammonia. Not the kind you want to be exposed to. Used as a refrigerant at the facility. Yep. So they're looking for at the cause of the leak. So this sort of thing happens. I thought it was the like cause is karma.
2: The waste... I thought the waste buildup was like... Oh... <laughs> They're yes. getting ammonia off of that. I was like, "Wow, that's Yeah, very well, that's intense.
1: that's one of the at factory farms there's the ammonia smell in the air."
0: Yeah, do they make the cows go to the bathroom before they put them on the trucks? Just to make sure that their bladders are empty of ammonia?
1: Um, I think they
2: uh I'm sure that they they well, they, they don't give them water and food for
1: Probably a day before or something.
2: When they're on the trucks. Probably. Definitely when they're on the trucks, but I bet also before.
0: It's called smithing, named after Gerald Smith, who came up with the practice. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, "Hmm." So as for the cow handling problems, and this isn't the same place. This is in Fresno, California. A beef processor that voluntarily recalled tons of hamburger meat, sorry, due to salmonella fears last week, was slapped. With an animal handling citation last year in a government review of meatpacking plants, records show, yeah, at least 28 people in three western states have been reported uh, had reported salmonella-related illnesses since last Thursday, when Fresno-based Beef Packers Incorporated recalled nearly 826,000 pounds of ground beef. Yuck! Wow. Uh, so the, I mean, this is you know we could just have a recall. Every, uh, Roundup every show Because really there's just so many of these things going on So apparently last year in the wake of the biggest Beef recall in history linked to that southern California slaughterhouse, you remember that Mm -hmm. Inspectors visited the Fresno Facility and 17 other plants that sold Meat to the national school lunch program Yeah
2: Once again Bad meat into the small Children's lunch programs
0: Well one way to minimize the amount of damage that can be done By that would be to Reduce the amount of beef in the school lunch program.
1: You know what I think it is? It's the dairy industry. They uh, they have these milk mustache commercials at schools, and they really push milk on all the school kids. And then you know what happens to dairy cows when they uh, start their productivity starts to go down. Wane. They become made into ground beef. No way. And then they go back to the school.
0: So, wow. That's, that's pretty heavy. Vicious cycle. So it's like a big, it's like kind of a work camp program where you then become the food. If you're a cow, which you're not.
1: Well, they're just like processing entire cows through s- small school children.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of like similar to whey. I think like whey has to pass through the gut to become like biodegradable or something. So hmm. there's a lot of whey added to stuff and they, and they push it on like bodybuilders in order to yeah, create bodybuilders this, this mass. So yeah, one thing that body bodybuilders pr- do produce and we should be very aware of is is a lot of waste because <laughs> they take <laughs> in a lot of stuff. <laughs> so just remember that next time you meet a bodybuilder, just ask him if he's washed his hands, okay? <laughs> Unless it's Robert Cheek. That's right. In which case you know he's fresh he's from the been shower.
1: Eating Vega. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he's wearing clothes that, you know, I don't know, he's probably going to sell them the next day. <laughs> Man, I, I was wearing a
1: shirt I got from Robert Cheek the other day, and it was... Uh,
2: if you take a picture and put it on, he'll give you a free package in the mail, he said. I nice. don't know if I
1: want Robert Cheek's package, but this shirt said <laughs> uh, Vegan Fitness Team, but it was like off-centered, and I think it was one of the shirts he gave me for free last year at the uh, Boston Food Fest.
0: <laughs> so tell me. What do you think about Buffalo? Buffalo? Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. Annie DeFranco y- and Annie Pio both came from Buffalo.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not talking about the town. I'm talking about this new promotion that's going on where the meat industry is trying to promote uh, Buffalo as an alternative, to the healthy alternative yeah. to beef.
2: Buffalo yogurt. They're trying really? To sell buffalo that too. yogurt? Yep. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, uh, this could be an up-and-coming thing like ostrich.
2: Oh, no. People
1: go to great lengths to exploit new animals.
0: Yeah, well, I guess you know it's they. F- the thing is that they have the infrastructure, and it works very well for other ruminant animals like the buffalo. They feed them a little differently. I think they eat more alfalfa mm. and things. But uh, but yeah, they're like apparently you know it's a, it's sort of a high end thing. And uh, you know anybody who's anybody any of those <laughs> dudes you see who smokes cigars on TV probably has had buffalo you should too <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god Scott are you okay yeah Scott yeah. wake up <laughs> you
1: know Son. what I say Scott what Buck Fuffalo yeah
2: oh my god <laughs> I don't get it oh
1: I think you do Trab- I
0: think
2: you do
1: indeed well thanks for joining us Buck Futter
0: that was a good one wasn't it <laughs>
2: if you're five that was a
0: great that was a great spoonerism (laughs) and then but here check this out also in the world of meat if you're looking for a good evening class and you live in london check it out why not try butchery oh my god that's right you know i mean why why for
2: an evening class why
0: go in for an art class or you know a real estate thing when you can go and check out uh beekeeping or growing vegetables and the fastest growing one, do-it-yourself butchery. Oh, my God. Which I think probably, I think probably a lot of unhappy husbands are probably go- and wives are going to this thing thinking, yeah, maybe. Um,
2: <laughs> maybe what?
0: I don't know. I think maybe <laughs> Nigel might just um, inconveniently <laughs> expire. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all pretty right. good, uh, Scott. It's,
1: it's the uh, half hour. I need to remind our listeners you're listening to Vegan Radio is the show, and we are on live on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM in uh, Northampton. Actually, we're in Florence, which is kind of like Northampton.
2: Except cooler. <laughs> Florence <laughs> is cooler
1: now? Well, yes. Yeah, because
2: we don't have all those wannabes.
1: And we got that cool uh, statue.
2: That's right. Sojourner Truth.
1: Sojourner Truth. Really? Yeah. Where? It's right around the Are corner you from serious? the station.
0: Oh, that one.
2: You don't know where the Sojourner <laughs> troop comma They
1: had no. to melt 20,000 pennies to make that.
0: Wow. For a second there, actually, I was confused. No, I, I've, I've hung out with Sojourner. She's very large. I've hung out with Sojourner. <laughs> She's slightly larger than life.
2: She's pretty big.
1: So uh, how's the news? Are we wrapping down, wrapping up?
0: It was a birthday gift from my girlfriend. Said Mark Mcardle, a twenty-two-year-old oh, no. private banker standing in front of pig carcasses hanging from hooks oh, in the God. shop. She's not here tonight, but she thought it'd be great. To <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> For me you, to become a professional butcher.
2: You just went into a Scottish Irish accent.
0: <laughs> no, I just did like the ba- the bad like Dick Van Dyke. English All of his accent. accents are Scottish. Come on. Dad, oh, Scottish. have a go! At it. Oh, I will. No, I'm sorry, he didn't say that. But yeah. So there you go. That's that piece of news. That's what it's (laughs) it's all about. That's
2: very scary, and I hope hope that does not become the fashionable trend. That's all I can say. Well,
0: you never know. London, you know, what starts in London kind of, you know. Mm Jack the Ripper. Next thing you know, it's the same in Jakarta.
1: So uh, we should introduce our interview here. What?
0: Yes. Uh, Who is our interview? Karen Davis. Oh, right.
1: Who uh, has a book called Prison Chicken... Prisoned chickens, poisoned eggs, which uh, has a new revised edition in two thousand nine, and I interviewed her shortly after the release. And I said, "Karen, I will have this interview on the air within a couple weeks." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Excellent. Play it, please.
1: Um, please, no, Karen. She's she's uh, the expert on um, poultry in the animal rights movement uh the book is very informative you learn more about chickens than you ever thought anyone knew
2: or that you wanted to know no perhaps. it's
1: it's pretty cool i mean the the females are um, very protect, protective of their young they'll like go up against predators to protect their young and uh Uh, be treated with respect. And um, chickens, turkeys, and other poultry are uh, one of the most abused animals in the industry, partly because there's no laws to protect them, partly because they are easy to exploit. They can live in cages. Long enough to produce a few eggs,
0: <laughs> yep. and there's no chickens union to protect them.
1: <laughs> yep. So it's up to us people to protect the chickens, and uh, hopefully, Karen Davis's uh, words of wisdom will help persuade you in that direction. Hear, hear!
0: Now <laughs> is Karen Davis.
3: You know the poultry concerns, Karen Davis.
0: Hi,
1: Karen. This is Derek from Vegan Radio.
3: Hey, Derek, how are you doing?
1: Great, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs>
1: I've been reading your new new release of an old book, Prison Chicken's Poison Egg. When, when was that originally written?
3: Uh, the first edition came out in
1: 1996. 96. Yep. And have you added a lot to the book since then?
3: The book, um, I researched the book in the early 1990s up to the mid-1990s, and it was published, as I said, in 1996, and, um, of course, the book still basically lays out, the 1996 edition lays out the, the, the development and the, and the, the basic uh, components of the modern poultry and egg uh, industry. Um, but I decided about three years ago that it was really time to update the book because there have been some new developments, both for, for good and evil, <laughs> um, since the mid-1990s. So what I did was I started from scratch and I totally redid the book. I mean, I started typing at the very beginning and I got completely involved in the book in a way that, so that it was, uh, it, it retains elements of the previous book but also has a great deal um, uh, of new material, updated material, both about how the uh, poultry and egg industry are expanding on a, to a global level and on a global level, uh, some of the more recent kinds of, um, uh, abuses that have uh, come into play, for example, in the United States, the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture's uh, in- endorsement of the use of firefighting foam as a method of uh, mass depopulation of chickens and turkeys, um, and also some of the more positive things that have been happening since the mid-1990s, which uh, um, is a-, a much greater attention on the part of the animal advocacy movement. And uh, correspondingly, uh, on the part of the uh, major mass media, to the plight of chickens, particularly hens, who are in uh, uh, intensively uh, uh, confined uh, uh, cages, for the U.S. egg industry, which is, of course is also a global egg industry. So I wanted to bring out, I wanted to bring out things that were happening uh, 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 in, uh, on, on the negative side. Uh, which really overwhelms and dwarfs the things that are happening on the positive side, but at the same time to bring out some of the things that have happened. Uh, for example, um, our big campaign in the 1990s was to uh, educate the the public and the news media about a practice that virtually nobody had ever heard of until we launched our campaign against the a practice known as force molting. Of hens uh, by the U.S. egg industry, where hens are deprived of all food for as long as two and even three full weeks to manipulate the economics of egg production. And you know, we we focused on this this issue very intensely. We petitioned the Food and Drug Administration. We corresponded with the um, uh, uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, we did many many things in regard to that campaign so that in the early early 2000s, around 2003, finally United Egg Producer, which is the uh, trade group representing the U.S. egg industry, announced that they would not not certify um, uh, egg producers who continue to completely starve their hens as a forced molting method. They still use forced molting. But the, uh, if the hens are going to be uh, 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 used by producers who belong to United Egg producers, then they must feed them some kind of a, of a, a nutrient-deficient, but still some kind of a diet. Um, so, I mean, that seems like a small thing in, in, in view of how uh, horrible the whole egg industry is. But my view is that our campaign to make people aware of the fact that in addition to being de beaked and being stuffed into little wire cages and filthy polluted eye-burning, throat-burning buildings, these birds were also being deliberately starved for two and three weeks for purely economic purposes, and the fact that we got uh, a huge front-page article in the Washington Post called Cracks in the Egg Industry. Um, I mean, that was the first Time that there, there, you know that the practice force molding had ever really been 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 looked at uh, in a major way, and it was on the uh, front page of the Sunday edition of the Washington post so you know, I mean that was huge, and that really and cracks in the in- egg industry really was one of the major forces that led the egg industry to begin re-evaluating the use of starvation as a method of uh, inducing or forcing Hens to molt their feathers, and again, it's a complicated practice, but essentially, it's an economic practice whereby the birds lose their feathers, and because they're not getting any nutrients, um, they can't produce any eggs, so they begin to uh, stop laying eggs, and then um, the industry puts them back into production. That is the hens who managed to live through that because that ordeal, because many thousands. Uh, Even in a particular one particular house, die uh, of the starvation, and then when they're given food again, they many thousands die because um, their 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 digestive system has atrophied so much that they can't even digest food. So it's a really vicious practice.
1: Yeah. So how long does uh, a typical egg-laying hen spend um, in a factory? Condition before they're sent to slaughter.
3: Well, first of all, all hens are kept in cages their entire lives. Um, it, it, it used to be that the hens, as they were when they were still babies and they were becoming mature, like to about five and a half to six months old, when they would start actually laying eggs as a as a young but mature hen. They used to be kept on what they call floor systems where. The hens would be very crowded, but they would be—they would not be caged. But one of the things that I bring out in the new edition of prison Chickens: Poisoned Eggs* in the chapter on the battery hen is the fact that virtually all um, hens intended for egg production are now living in cages from day old, what the industry calls day old to death. Um, they are born in extremely crowded mega hatcheries in drawers and they go in the hatchery to what's called a servicing area or servicing room where they are very painfully de what the industry now likes to call beak trimming and um, they are shipped then to the what they call the pullet p-u-l-l-e-t the pullet the very young chickens the term they use is pullet the pullet houses or the grower house the growing houses um, where they will live to about five and a half weeks of age and in the pullet houses, they're caged. They're in uh, pullet cages. So the hens never, basically, unless they are rescued and come to a sanctuary, hens used for the egg that it would be about 99 percent of hens used for egg production in the U.S and throughout the world never touch ground. They are always in cages for their entire lives, and they never get to take a step in their entire lives. And um, I I always want to bring out to people, it's yeah, they cannot spread their wings, uh, which is horrible because they have wings to spread and to use for various purposes, like perching. But to think that a bird, a creature with legs, never gets to take a single step in her entire life and then add to that the fact that she is uh, standing on extremely uncomfortable wire mesh for her entire life And there's really no way you can exaggerate the the complete, utter, total hell that hens used for egg production are living in. Or A friend of mine calls their housing a -a henitentiary, and and that's a good term to describe, although it doesn't even begin to describe the, the complete misery of hens used for egg production.
1: Yeah, more like a concentration camp or something.
3: Well, it is a concentration camp because the hens are, they're totally crowded, they're totally concentrated, they're treated with complete contempt, and they cannot escape except through death. And to me, that is what defines a concentration camp. So, yeah, and a lot of people, not only animal rights activists, but even people outside our uh, community, outside our movement, have used that term because it does correctly describe the conditions under which the majority of hens used for egg production are living, and the chick- and meat production, and also turkeys, so and and ducks as well. They really are in um, in in concentration camps.
1: So, what is a statistic on how many eggs um, chickens used to lay, say, like fifty years ago, compared to how many they're laying now?
3: Well. Consider that a hen living in her natural environment, which would be a tropical forest environment, or if the chickens are a flock of feral chickens, that is chickens who were once domesticated but managed to get free and live free and are now living uh, like basically wild chickens, um, they will lay, if they have not been domesticated, for, uh, that is genetically bred for intensive egg production, a hen in nature. Uh, untouched by human human hands, will lay about 24 or 25 eggs in a single year. That is, they will lay, chickens lay what are called clutches of eggs. Um, So a hen will lay, a natural hen, a living hen will lay, let's say, 12 eggs, per clutch in the very in the early spring and then maybe she'll lay another clutch of twelve eggs and maybe out of those twenty four twenty five eggs uh... maybe nine or ten of in each clutch will actually live and and grow to maturity but as uh, as, as what we know, we call factory farming became came into place in the 20th century, then hens were gotten up to where they lay would be forced. This is through breeding uh, and crossbreeding and inbreeding. They would be laying, let's say, 70 eggs a year, and and then they'd be laying 130 eggs a year. And now hens have been so genetically bred to as to lay approximately 250 or more eggs per year. And of course, the huge, huge stress upon their reproductive system uh, can, can hardly be uh, explained. Um, these hens are very prone to oviduct tumors and other problems related to the fact that their reproductive systems are so overworked, laying so many eggs um, for human consumption, mass consumption.
1: That's like ten times more than they're naturally. Yes. Meant to. Yes. And what about the the broiler chickens, the ones that are used for meat? What's the what's their plight?
3: Well, their plight is terrible. Uh, first of all, the majority of land animals being slaughtered in the United States and other Western countries for meat um, is uh, uh, are chickens. Uh, we're talking about 9 out of 10 billion animals, that is, land animals apart from fish, in the United States are chickens. Um, and the numbers keep climbing, uh, not only because of chicken consumption in the United States, which is pretty much maxed out at this point, but because the uh, chicken industry has a reach into the global um, uh, uh, market. And so uh, companies like Tyson Foods and, and Purdue Farms and the other big companies, Zaki in California and the other companies, you know, they have investments. They have chicken farms in South America and uh, Mexico and uh, 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 European countries, uh, A- Asian countries, well, you know, particularly Asian countries. So they have investments, and they own, you know, uh, in completely or in part uh, huge factory farm uh, chicken, um, chicken uh, 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 firms and chicken houses, and, and, you know, they may partner with a, a company in, in China or Thailand or, or Russia or something like that. So um, the, the largest number of uh, land animals uh, in Western countries definitely are chickens. So the, there's something like uh, 45 billion chickens being slaughtered for food each year in the, the world. And that only refers to the number of com- com- countries who actually provide statistics for the number of chickens that they, uh, they actually uh, monitor. Uh, so, so many, many millions, hundreds of millions of chickens aren't even, aren't even included in these, these, these vast astronomical figures. So, um, chickens who are raised for meat are not living in little wire cages. Um, The poultry industry in various parts of the world, including here in our own USA, um, have tried and continue to try to find ways to raise chickens for meat, that is the baby chickens known as broiler chickens who are slaughtered at six weeks old, in multiple tier cages but they've had various problems um, economic of course uh... uh... with doing that um, economic related to the birds uh... the birds uh, own, uh... physiology and so on so to this day the majority virtually all chickens who are raised for meat are raised on uh... in like five six hundred foot long buildings um, these uh, buildings Uh, They start out when they put baby chicks down, that is, after they've had a huge total clean-out, which they only do every three years or so. um, Then let's say they totally clean out the whole house, 500-foot, 600-foot-long house, and they uh, put down bedding, or what's called litter, L-I-T-T-E-R, which is um, uh, uh, wood shavings or sawdust. And then they'll put the fresh, fresh batch of about 30,000 or more chicken, baby chicks in that house. Well, then, let's say throughout the year, several batches of 30,000 chickens are, are raised to huge weights, approximately six, five, five to six pounds in six weeks or six and a half weeks. So that, um, it, not surprisingly, after a couple of flocks of chickens of those huge sizes have lived on the the wood shavings bedding. Uh, By that time, the bedding is mainly excrement. And yet those houses are not cleaned out except every couple of years, what the poultry industry calls a total crust out. Um, So the birds are living in total filth. It's, It's an amount of filth that you can't even begin to explain uh, to anybody. There are uh, disease microbes uh, by the trillions, of bacteria, viruses, funguses, molds, uh, parasites, uh, you name it, living in this, this bedding, which is now mainly excrement. Uh, the, these uh, organisms live on the bodies of the birds. They're in the water pipes. They're in the walls. Um, there's no way, as the industry itself, explains in its own industry literature, you cannot, keep the, you cannot clean these houses. It's not only, only that you can't keep them clean, you cannot clean them out thoroughly because the houses, which are mainly excrement by the time they clean them out, um, and, and then uh, all of the pathogens, the disease organisms that thrive in these kinds of environments, as I said, in the water pipes, the walls, you name it. Um, but then also the excrement, because it accumulates and accumulates and accumulates, Um, As it's being decomposed by bacteria, um, it turns into ammonia fumes. So then the birds are living in uh, toxic ammonia fumes, and it really is a total toxic waste environment. They're walking on excrement. Um, Excrement gets into the feed, actually in preparation, in the feed preparation at the rendering companies. Um, They're breathing excrement in the form of toxic uh, uh, waste, the ammonia fumes I described, and and other gases that uh, derive from decomposing uh, uh, excrement when it's accumulating in such huge amounts in an enclosed house. It used to be in the early days of factory farming that um, in places like Virginia where we're located, our headquarters and our sanctuary are located, that they would um, sometimes roll down these canvas curtains so that the birds could get some kind of fresh air and sunshine in the early days, the 70s, the 1970s. But now the birds are almost always completely closed up. If you see the chicken houses down here in Virginia or up a little farther in Maryland or Delaware, you'll see all these houses that if you don't know what you're looking at you would have no idea that there were thousands and thousands of baby birds living in these houses growing to these monstrous sizes at six weeks of age but the houses are completely closed up they they call them tunnel tunnel ventilation houses Um, and the whole idea is to keep the birds basically living in the dark only with just enough artificial light to find their food and find the little nipple drinkers, plastic nipple drinkers, where they get one drop of water at a time, and just to turn into a pile of meat is the purpose. And I I really try to help people to understand what it's like for these birds who come from a a tropical forest environment, who are very active all day, who are intended to be running around finding food and caring for their young and uh, jumping up in branches and all of that, to be living in these, Filthy, polluted houses with bodies that are just so stressed out with every kind of disease you could possibly imagine, uh, unable to walk in extreme pain because when the body of the bird grows so fast in such a short amount of time, their very young developing skeletal system cannot keep up. So, therefore, virtually all of the chickens who are raised for meat and the turkeys, too, go to slaughter with painful lameness. Because, and many of them can't, can't even walk by the time they reach the six-week-old uh, 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 death deadline. Um, so, I mean, their misery, is you cannot describe it. It's, it's internal. It's in their bodies, even more than the hens used for egg production, Who's, you know, who are cursed by living in inside bars, inside walls, inside bars. These birds who are used for meat production are, uh, their bodies are just um, have been uh, put through, through every form of torture just to be so that these birds will become a big pile of breast muscle tissue. Um, that's the whole purpose of these birds. So that when you see advertisements on television like, for KFC or, any of these these chain restaurants, uh, you'll see uh, uh, them uh, advertising some type of sizzling, broiling uh, thing that looks like what, used, what filet mignon used to look like. And, that, and this is a big, huge piece of breast muscle from these, these chickens. Um, and, and, and the suffering that is in that breast muscle, of course, most people can't even begin to imagine. They cannot imagine. We, even uh, those of us who study this issue, and write about this this issue, and who have taken these types of birds into our sanctuaries, even we cannot imagine what these birds feel like having these horrible things done to their bodies against their will. While meanwhile, they themselves uh, and their who they are intrinsically uh, their their own personal species identity is locked up inside this this body that has been so tormented and so deformed just so people can 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 eat them
1: so when you rescue these uh the broiler chickens and have them on your farm i i was at farm sanctuary after they had rescued a bunch of them from i think it was a flood in iowa or maybe even katrina and they, the birds were just gigantic, uh, they, looked, they looked almost like turkeys because they had lived beyond the, the six weeks that they normally would have. What are some of the problems and what, how, how long do they live if they're, a lot, if they're not killed at six weeks?
3: Uh, uh, if, they have, if these, what the industry calls broiler chickens, that is chickens who are bred and raised and slaughtered specifically for meat, for chicken, what people think of as chicken and buy at the store as chicken. Uh, if these birds manage to escape um, and, uh, and, and, and come to a sanctuary or some kind of a caring home environment, uh, they, they may live... The longest, the longest I've ever had a chicken from the boiler industry live was four years. That was a really long time. Um, they can come to your sanctuary like our sanctuary and um, seem to be doing pretty well. Again, they're huge. They're weighing like six, seven pounds, and they quickly can get up to 10 pounds, Um, whereas a chicken of six weeks of age would normally barely weigh a pound, just so people understand what it means to take a, a bird who would barely weigh a pound at six weeks of age, being forced to gain uh, a pound a week, so that they're about six pounds by the time they they go to slaughter at six weeks old. So the 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 burden upon their in their internal organs, upon their skeletal system, is just unimaginable. And it and, and the result of that is that they can come to your sanctuary and they they seem to be doing pretty well. And then suddenly they'll have a massive congestive heart attack. They'll just go into congestive heart failure. Um, they'll go into spasms and they'll 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 die, um, or they become uh... if they're not already lame they can quit and they don't have a heart attack first they can become quickly very lame where they can barely walk or they can't walk at all um, they can. they also their immune systems are just a chicken's immune system is not designed to cope with all of the stresses that they have imposed upon them again these birds have come from a polluted environment they've been mis, m- very mistreated by human beings uh, handling them um, they, they have been They have been given all kinds of drugs and antibiotics and things, so I mean they come to a sanctuary with virtually everything against them already they they 've endured everything and more, so their immune systems are are, are very weakened by having to cope with so mu- so much so and their respiratory systems are very weak, um, as I explained in prison chickens poisoned eggs uh, uh, chickens have a different uh, type of respiratory system than human beings do. Um, they have what are called uh, lungs, but also a, a lung, but also air sacs, sac, sacs uh, breathing apparatus throughout their bodies, and they, also their diaphragm doesn't expand the same way that uh, a human being does. So they're not designed for the kind of conditions they're, they're forced to live in, and then, as I said, they have all these genetic things done to them. So even if they get to a sanctuary, their ability to really recover and uh, be able to live uh, uh, for any length of time is very, very um, uh, compromised by what they've already gone through and what has been genetically done to them. For example, you can put them, even if you get them as chicks, um, let's say somebody goes into one of these boiler chicken houses and grabs out a chicken or two who's still a chick, still a little fuzzy chick, uh, and brings them to the sanctuary. Uh, they will show normal characteristics of chickens. Uh, they'll run around uh, the, as much as they can. They will, uh, they'll you know, peep as and, and, and chicks, and, and they'll show an interest in, you know, all kinds of different things that are going on. and they like spaghetti and they will eat grass and all of that. But as they get older, then, because of the genetics, their, their breast muscle will just start to become really, really huge. And this will happen about, you know, five months old or even sooner. And and there doesn't seem to be very much that can be done about that. Uh, even the best environment and the best diet uh, still can um, can help them to live a little longer and a little better life. But uh, you're really up against something that's been done to them genetically that it's very difficult to, um, to, to overcome. So, uh, again, the two main things that you, well, the, the, the main things you tend to see in chickens who are, have been bred for meat production if they come to your sanctuary, is uh, the tendency towards painful lameness, the uh, tendency to have uh, massive heart attacks, uh, the susceptibility to uh, respiratory infections, a susceptibility that you don't see in other types of chickens. E- even hens who are bred for the egg industry, you don't see the, um, the, the, like, you know, the susceptibility to, to respiratory illnesses that you see in boiler chickens. And again, their their immune systems are just so compromised by all that has been done to them that genetically, that um, you, you know, you just every day that they live, you feel well. That's another day they lived, and you're happy about that. This is Howard Lyman, the Mad Cowboy,
2: author of No More Bull. You are
3: listening to Vegan Radio on W X O J L P, Northampton. Remember, doing nothing is not an option.
0: Why end it now? Why?
1: <clears throat> because it's the end of our show, Scotty. Oh, well that's kind of Tony There's circular. There's a man
2: in a red shirt here. Seeing red
1: radios <laughs> coming in. They're l- leaning over my shoulder. Yeah. Giving me a communist <laughs> handshake. <laughs> 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 talking, Talking smack about Barack. All kinds of stuff going on here.
2: The Obama deception
0: <laughs> View, view, oh, view it,
2: listeners <laughs> View it
0: Oh, yeah, it's ominous I don't know how they drag that material out so well It was long
1: Well, you know Obama It rhymes with Osama And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Liden. <laughs> and his middle name is Hussein Liden rhymes with
0: Bin Laden And his other middle name is Saddam
1: <laughs> Saddam And he doesn't even have a birth certificate.
0: That's right. And he might even be the Joker. We don't know. because
2: he's an alien (laughs) (laughs) from another planet.
1: And we are aliens from the vegan nation on planet
0: Vega. That's right. You've seen Fantastic Planet. We're like that.
1: Earthlings, someday if you strive hard and work at it, you can be like us. (laughs) 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 Happy all the time. Um, Woo! That's right.
2: Save us. Save us, (laughs) Tony.
1: Fading (laughs) Megan out. Fading (laughs) Megan out. Oh, there we go. Much better. Much better. Good night, Scotty. Good night, Derek. See you next week.